Another pot of coffee is brewing. My fifth cup is almost finished. So that means it's time for another episode of Not Before Coffee. I'm your host, Ray, self-confessed bookworm, film addict, hermit, long-term depression sufferer and very honest caffeine fiend. How did this happen? It really feels like only yesterday I was posting about my launch and now I'm at the end of season one, about to head into a two-week planning and recording break. No, I'm not taking time off work. I will still be doing the general day-to-day, but the evenings will be filled with planning because I have some really exciting changes coming in season two. Well, I think they are anyway. The funny thing is that I planned for this break right from the start, though I hadn't anticipated it would herald quite so many changes. Is there a word that means both terrified and excited? Because right now, that's exactly how I'm feeling. I figured that being the last episode, I should take myself right back to the beginning, where I started. No, that doesn't mean a review of Leverage. (laughs) But at some point, I will revisit that show, if only because there is a new season coming sometime soon, courtesy of IMDb TV. And personally, I cannot wait. But it does mean I am returning to TV. I'm going to be taking a look at one of the newest additions to Netflix in the form of Shadow and Bone. Now, let me preface this by saying I'm going to be looking at the TV show not the books the eight-episode run has been based on. And this is because, despite being a lover of all things book, I have not yet read them. I am currently reading the first in the spin-off series, Six of Crows, and I may well go into the why and where and what of that a little bit later. Firstly, though, I do have a bit of a treat for you. I had a weird dream just before I started planning out the script for this. And I knew that I had to write and share it with you. So yes, I do. I bring you another instalment of My Dreams Are Fucking Weird. For some reason, I was living in my mum's house, where I haven't lived since I was 18, and working at my current job. Though instead of being home-based, as it is now, I was going into the office every day. I was feeling a bit of dread about the next week as I had apparently, for some reason unknown to myself and everyone else, promised that I was going to bake a load of cakes and pies for something. And I'm not sure whether it was Christmas or just a something. But then mum told me she was going to be using the kitchen for the whole day for some baking of her own, which is weird in itself because she doesn't bake very much. She even enrolled the help of my brother and some other people I didn't recognise to tidy up the little steak and kidney pudding things she'd been working on. I can remember in my dream the way that my brother was absolutely decimating one of them by trying to remove all of the colour from the hot watercrust pastry, as though he misunderstood what trimming was. I picked one up while I was trying to negotiate kitchen time and showed my brother how it needed to be done because the pie he held in his hands was literally just falling apart. After hearing my mum say, no, I need it all day, about six times, I had a light bulb moment and called my granny, who has been gone since 2008, to ask her if I could use her kitchen. For some reason, when I headed over there with most of the equipment I magicked up from 
nowhere. She was living in the flat she hadn't lived in since I was six years old. The cupboards were the same. There was a table against the wall where she'd showed us as children how to stir the Christmas pudding. It was exactly how I remembered it. And then I woke up and the first question I asked myself wasn't, why did I have that dream? It was, why didn't I just use my own kitchen? So there you have it, the last weird dream of season one. As I'm going to be talking about a TV series, my entire process may well be a little different. I'm not going to be going to Spoiler Central because many of you may have this show on your list of things to watch over the next few weeks and it's still pretty new. What I am going to talk about is how I feel about it, my likes, my dislikes and why specific plot points affected me the way they did. I don't want to influence you in any way whatsoever into watching or not. I am also going to stress that this is my personal opinion, but I really would love to hear yours if you've watched it and enjoyed it or not. Before I go into the show itself, I feel like I should and I need to give a bit of background, even though I haven't yet read the books. Perhaps I probably should. The show is based on a series of young adult novels written by American author Lee Bardugo. The first one was published in June 2012, five months before the final film in the Twilight Saga was released, so at the height of teen romance teen novel popularity. Unsurprisingly, it was a massive hit, with the other two books in the series being released in 2013 and 2014 respectively. The novels and the show follow the story of Alina Starkov, a young girl who grew up in an orphanage, her parents having been killed crossing the fold, something I will go into in a little bit. She is discovered to be a member of the Grisha, a magical community, not only is she an undiscovered Grisha, but she's one of the rarest of them all, a sun summoner. Before I get into the series itself, I should probably go through the main players, the different races and the places involved. Being honest, these are all the bits I wish I'd been aware of before watching the Netflix show. Maybe they could have done a sort of introducing shadow and bone or something, I don't know. I'm going to start with the biggest question I had, one that I honestly feel could have been answered at the beginning with some much needed exposition. What on earth is Grisha? It turns out that Grisha is the term used to describe people who use what in the series is referred to as small science. Now, I'd probably call small science magic, but in the world of Shadow and Bone, small science is the art of manipulating matter at its most basic form. Those who have the ability are separated into three different groups. Corporalki, who work with the body and biology, and this includes heart renders, healers, and tailors. Etherealki, who have powers over natural elements. These include those who control wind, fire, and water, Sun and Shadow Summoners are also in this group, though they are the rarest of them all. Finally, we have Materialki, who are able to work with metal, glass, textiles and chemicals, as their powers are in working with composite materials. I honestly believe that having access, as someone who hasn't read the books, to just a tiny bit of insight into Grisha history would have aided in my enjoyment and understanding of the storyline we were given in the show. 
According to the research I have done since finishing the final episode, the Grisha were considered witches, and there are still several nations in this world who hunt and persecute them for it. Grisha is also, apparently, a word derived from Grigori, so named for Sanct Grigori of the Woods, who was the first Grisha healer. Not that that helps any at all. Grisha themselves are treated differently depending on the country they live in. In Ravka, where a large amount of the action in the series takes place, they are considered protectors, a valued part of their country's forces. In Fjorda, they are hunted as witches. In Novi Zem, they are believed to be blessed. In Kerch, they are sold as slaves. And in Shuhan, they are a curiosity to be experimented upon. According to many of the book reviews I have watched over on YouTube while researching for this episode, believe me, the amount of research I've done because I had no idea what I was going into is ridiculous. There were some intrinsic differences between the book and the series. I'm not sure if that means that those who read the books were at as much of a disadvantage as those who hadn't, but these changes were primarily related to the race of the lead character, Alina. In the book, she is described as Ravkan. However, in the series, she is the victim of very obvious racism, as she has obvious Shu heritage. I am assuming here that Shu, in the Grishaverse, as fans of the book refer to it, Shuhan is an Asian country, while many of the others are Russian or Scandinavian in origin. Oh, <laughs> that's great. I almost forgot probably the biggest thing in this series, The Fold. The series starts with it and finishes with it, but I had absolutely zero idea what the heck it was. Are the books this confusing? So, The Fold, also referred to as The Unsea, for which the seventh episode is named. This is another question I had. It was taken for granted that I, as the viewer, knew exactly what it was, and I can honestly say that I didn't have a single clue. From what I can gather from reading a few other things afterwards, it's almost like a no man's land, a place that people die crossing due to Volcra and other dangerous creatures that populate it. So now we've got those few core pieces of information out of the way, what about the characters themselves? The biggest players in this series and in the books are Alina Starkov, the main protagonist, a girl of Shu and Ravkan heritage who is discovered to be a very rare Grisha on whom everyone comes to depend. She can summon light, a power that was, until the moment she exhibited them for the first time, believed to be something of myth. According to what you find out through the series, despite everyone having been tested as children, not only was her power not discovered, but she did everything she could to prevent anything from being found out. And here I ask, how did she know that she needed to? She has been friends with Mal since childhood, having grown up in an orphanage together after her parents were killed. Her friendship with Mal is very strong, but this could well be because since a very young age she's been in love with him, though it was never really reciprocated. Being completely honest, right from the heart here, Alina was not a character I actually liked over much. She was constantly putting herself down, which seems to be a common pattern in YA novels and their female protagonists. She decries her own power and even at one point says she doesn't want it and would happily give it away, which leads to certain events that occur in the series itself. 
Her affections are easily swayed. Though it takes a while for her to discard her feelings for Mal, she is already being pursued by another. I sometimes felt that her story was being rushed, and though she was the central character, it was really difficult to connect with her, something that I found disappointing, especially if I, as the viewer, was meant to empathise with her and her situation. So, as we've mentioned him already, why not talk about Mal? He's not Grisha, but his strong connection to Alina means that he has a lot of audience focus throughout the series. He's a talented tracker who, for all that he seems happy to flirt up a storm, is oblivious to the fact that his best friend is willing, no, she actually does, put her life at risk to spend time with him because her feelings have developed into more than just friendship. Once the two have been separated, however, his feelings grow and he puts his own life on the line several times in order to get back to her. Occasionally, okay, okay, not really occasionally, Mal is incredibly foolish. He may have tracking abilities that come across as almost supernatural in nature, but he isn't Grisha. However, that doesn't mean he's not expendable. Another thing I should probably mention about Mal is that he has zero respect for authority, and this is something that is seen several times through the series. Oh, <laughs> I forgot to mention, this novel follows yet another classic YA trope that has become popular over the last decade or so. The love triangle. We saw it in Twilight with Bella, Edward and Jacob, and again in The Hunger Games with Katniss, Peter and Gail. Alina is in the middle, and her others are Mal, shocker, <laughs> that really shouldn't come as a surprise, and the general, a man with multiple identities, Alexander Kirigan. So what can I say about Kirigan that doesn't give away the whole plot? He's Grisha, he's powerful, he's a shadow summoner, He's protective of his people, which isn't always a good thing, and he has a thing for Alina. The question I guess I have to ask when it comes to his relationship with Alina is this. Is he using his maturity because he is much older than her and experience as a tool to seduce her? He's definitely an incredibly enigmatic man, passionate, dark, mysterious, and while I can admit that those are qualities that I personally find attractive, I also know that these are the qualities that make for a man who is very bad for me. So what is this secret that Kirigan is hiding? He makes it clear from the moment Alina's abilities are revealed that he wants her, but does he want her for herself or for what she can do? I guess you'll need to watch the show to find out that, unless you've already watched it and then of course, you'll listen and you'll go, yeah, I know that one. Or if you've read the books, of course. While this romance with Dark Corners is being played out, we are also treated to another substrata of story being unveiled on the screen. The story of a heist. Kaz Brecker, Inej Gaffer and Jesper Fay are three incredibly skilled thieves. They have made their home at a club in Ketterdam called The Crow, which happens to be Kaz's pride and joy. Every member of the trio brings a different ability to the table, with Kaz known for taking on any challenge, no matter what the danger, as long as it will earn him money. Inej was stolen as a child and sold into service to a place called the Menagerie. Thanks to Kaz, she now has something almost resembling freedom, and she has many skills, 
though key among them is her ability to get anywhere relatively unnoticed. She's also very, very good with knives. And then there's Jesper, charming, enigmatic Jesper, whose skill with guns is scarily hot. He's also a little bit of light relief, the one who will joke about things to lighten them up when it gets too dark. From what I've been able to glean from various online sources, the trio of crows don't have much of a role to play in Shadow and Bones itself. However, their presence is something I personally found myself truly appreciating in the series itself. Though they all have a dark past and their motive for travelling across the fold is not one that is in any way noble, they become somewhat reluctant heroes. They are simply in the right place at the right time or the wrong time, whoever, depending on who you are. And if you couldn't tell, the three crows, Jesper, Inej and Kaz, are one of the biggest reasons I managed to finish Shadow and Bone. They were charming, amusing and overall likeable. I didn't find myself watching them and thinking, just get on with it already. I loved watching the way these friends worked together, conspired together, saved each other repeatedly and despite their differing beliefs and lack of understanding at times, the most important thing was that they were stronger together. Also, there was a scene in the show that had me absolutely falling in love with Jesper's character. When they were all crossing the fold, the Volcra are bearing down on them in this steam train tr- contraption. He's terrified, but then after a moment of cuddling Milo a goat they were asked to collect for some reason. He saves the day. He's a gunslinger of old, twirling his pistols, accurate deadly shots, and he has such grace when he is destroying the enemy. That was the moment that I realised this trio were my favourites. The costumes are so appropriate to the world that Bardugo has built. A little Slavic, pops of colour amongst dark and dull uniforms, long skirts, elegant hats... It was a hint of something almost steampunk. We have steam trains combined with magic-driven skiffs, horse-drawn carriages and automatic weapons. It's a really interesting combination all round. Quite often, I will watch a limited series all in one sitting. I've done it multiple times. I watched Lucifer 5A quickly. I watched the entirety of WandaVision in a single morning. But for some reason, I can't quite identify that didn't happen with Shadow and Bone. When it came to this, I wasn't entirely sure what to expect, so that may have been one point in my favour and not its. The promo looked good. I love Ben Barnes in pretty much anything and everything about it looked intriguing. However, when it came to the actual watching, I found myself not doing the quick, must-see-what-happens-next moment that I so often experience when watching something for the first, or sometimes even second or third time. In fact, I found myself feeling frustrated. Usually, when I watch something, I come away at the end of every episode with a lot of questions. Often the first one will be, how quick can I watch the next one? Unfortunately with this, it was more often, would I understand it better if I read the books? The biggest problem with this question was that until a week ago, I had been completely oblivious to the fact that this series was based on books at all. So, what was the cause of all this frustration if it wasn't my lack of eagerness to watch the next episodes right away? Oh, just as a side note, it took me three days to watch all eight parts. 
I was annoyed at the screenwriters and the production team for their assumption that everyone going into this would have an encyclopedia of knowledge about it before they press play. Now, don't get me wrong, I have watched a probably pretty impressive number of book to TV or film adaptations, as have most people, sometimes without even being aware of it. I watched True Blood, having read the Southern Vampire books. I watched the first few episodes of Game of Thrones, having slowly, and oh my god, so slowly, worked my way through George R. R. Martin's A Game of Thrones novel. I read Stormfront before I watched The Dresden Files, and I read the entire Twilight series before seeing the first film in the saga. There have been a few instances where I've watched something and said, wait a minute, this is making assumptions that the viewer knows about this stuff. And one of those series was, sadly, American Gods, though, to be fair, that also went way off path when it came to the book. And I waited years for that book to be made into a series because they'd been talking about it for about six years before they finally announced the casting. The issue for me with Shadow and Bone is that there was just so much that was left, not so much to the imagination, but to be misinterpreted. I didn't watch an episode and think, wow, what a great twist, or that explanation was so amazing. Instead, I was thinking, why didn't they explain this at the beginning? There were so many elements that were left completely unexplained and I feel that the story would have made more sense if there had just been a few moments of in the beginning to make them clearer. Underneath the love triangle and the heist, there is a war being fought but no explanation in the series is given for how it started or what it's about. All the way through the series we see visions of a stag and it's mentioned that this creature is one of Morozova's but no indication of who or what Morozova is. I will say that the cast they chose was incredible, though, to be fair, having not read the books, I only have their performances to go by. Ben Barnes playing the dark and mysterious General Alexander Kirigan was a bold choice. He has an interesting presence and holds himself so regally. No matter what, though, he will always be Prince Caspian. Perhaps in this, he is what Prince Caspian could have become? I have to be honest and say that the actors who were cast as Alina, Mal, Kaz, Inej and Jesper are all unknown to me, having been in things I have yet to see, but they played them all really well. Jesse May Lee, who plays Alina, reminds me of an actor who was popular during my teens, known for playing multiple roles in shows that aired weekday afternoons, Louisa Millwood Haig. Everything from her speech patterns to the way she holds her head was so similar that I actually looked up, is she related? (laughs) Mal, played by Archie Renault, who will next be seen in Sony's latest Spider-Man spin-off Morbius. I wish I could say I'd seen him in something else, because I really don't think the writing in this did him any favours. I've already mentioned that the Crows, Kaz, Inej and Jesper, just acted their way off the screen. They were those roles. Everything about them made me want to know more about their characters and see them more. I would have, being honest, been very happy had they been the sole focus of the series. Kaz is all cheekbones, slender angles. Despite walking with a limp, he gets the job done. And he is played by Freddie Carter. 
This is Carter's first main role, and oh boy, did he carry it off so well. Inej is a deadly weapon wrapped in lithe elegance, played by Amita Suman, who glides through the role like a dancer, one move flowing so beautifully into the next. And of course, we can't forget Jesper, played by Kit Young. Like Freddie, this is his first major role, though he has spent a considerable time on stage at the National Theatre performing Shakespeare, and I have no doubt that training has certainly made the way he brought a charmer like Jesper to the screen that much easier to carry out. Though this isn't a film, I am still going to ask myself a couple of my movie questions. Because they're still relevant. Did I enjoy it? To be honest, bits of it. I hated the fact that I felt as though I was missing a massive chunk of information because I hadn't read the books. Will I watch it again? The question here should probably be, will I watch the next season if it's renewed? Maybe. I would probably be more inclined to watch another series based on this world if the main characters were the Crows rather than Alina, Mal and Kirigan, if I'm being honest. I have to say that there was lots to recommend this. The special effects were clever, the concept was very good and the world that Bardugo has created is amazing. But I feel as though I missed out by watching this without having some core understanding of Shadow and Bone going in. Is true crime your thing? Do you like to find out more about the darker side of humanity? If so, join Melanie Peterson. Well, hey there, I'm Melanie Peterson, the host of Mask of Sanity. Buckle up, my friends, and come on a journey with me as I take you through the cases of some of the world's most notorious killers and root for the brave men and women who brought them to justice. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and hear all about the calculated madness of some of the world's most brutal killers who hid behind the mask of sanity. Don't forget to follow Mask of Sanity on all social media to stay up to date on each week's episode. Until next time, stay safe, friends. So that's Mask of Sanity, a podcast that's all about the men and women who bring the worst of human nature to justice. Find it where you can find all good podcasts after you've finished listening to this one. So what am I going to be watching this week? Well, I have to admit that I am looking forward to finding out what they have done in bringing Jupiter's Legacy to TV. With the entire series dropping tomorrow, I am thinking about using my day off for good and watching it but I am not sure what to expect at the moment. I just know that seeing Josh Duhamel, who I had a huge crush on when he was in the show Las Vegas, with a white wig and beard, is going to be an interesting take. I've seen the promos, it's like, wow, it's amazing how much older that can make you look. It gives me reason not to have my hair dyed white or grey, and to get rid of the grey I already have. I'm also heading into week four of Australian MasterChef. Every single week brings something different to the table, and though we are still seeing differences in the show due to COVID restrictions, allowances have been made for this, and I am hopeful that we'll see some kind of restaurant battle commence at some point. Another cooking show started a few weeks ago too, Top Chef, which airs on Bravo, Yes, I have a thing for cookery programmes, though I do find UK MasterChef lacking when it comes to entertainment value, and you never get a chance to know the competitors. 
In Top Chef, we're heading for the halfway point, and that means that Last Chance Kitchen will soon be returning a previous competitor to the Vold. So far, my favourite hasn't been eliminated, but then neither has the one that I don't like. So it's a case of (laughs) win-lose, I think. I haven't taken a break from the reading. In fact, this week I have three brand new books on the go, including Six of Crows, and I am eagerly devouring all of them, at different rates, of course. I am currently putting measures in place for next season, so do keep an eye on Twitter and Instagram as all will soon be revealed. So how are things in the coffee household this week? You know when someone does something and you really don't understand what the purpose was behind it? That was me this week. I found out something that really frustrated me and was definitely something I should have been made aware of beforehand. Needless to say, the fact that I wasn't sent me into a spiral of self-doubt, starting with, well, why wasn't I told? Have I done something wrong? I'd like to say that it ended there, but knowing me, (laughs) it didn't. For some reason, I can't bring myself to actually ask the most important question, which is, why? Out of fear that I'm not going to like the answer, normally. Instead, I got angry, I growled at my phone, which wasn't even on, then slammed around the flat for a little bit, feeling incredibly useless. As with most people, the moment my mood takes a turn, I become restless, which then affects my sleep, which in turn affects my ongoing mood, and a really destructive cycle begins to take hold. The weirdest thing is that I realised how destructive this pattern is when I spoke with my mum on Saturday. She is close to retirement age, but realistically can't afford to retire, and if I'm honest, I don't think that she'd cope with a more sedentary lifestyle. Anyway, there was some drama at her workplace, and something was mentioned that now has her worried about her position. I'm not going to go into the details, because who knows who's listening, but needless to say, this has now been eating at her for a few days, and has her making her usual rash and snap statements. I grew up with this woman, it's her thing, trust me. These are both incredibly extreme and, in my view, totally stupid. So I said to her, well, instead of stewing, why not just ask them about what she said? And it is this point that I realise where I get a lot of my own behaviours from. Her answer started with, because. And anyone who knows me will tell you how much I love that word as the start of a very poorly structured sentence. Are you hearing the irony here? It's do as I say, in this case, not as I do. I am telling her to do exactly what I am too terrified to do myself. I need to take my own advice. If something frustrates me or annoys me or makes no sense to me, then I need to take the plunge. I need to ask what's happening, why a decision has been made, and then just get on with my life. So that's been me this week, nothing hugely exciting, but hopefully the realisation that this particular response pattern isn't a healthy one will help me to actually get over something so stupid it annoys me to remember that it has affected me so negatively. So that's it for this episode and for this season. I hope you enjoyed the listen. As I've said, I will be back on Thursday the 27th of May with some brand new content. 
If you like what you hear, why not share it with your friends and family? And please post a review over on Podchaser. I love reading what you have to say. You can follow me on Twitter at need underscore three underscore mugs or on Instagram at not before coffee podcast. Well, I need another cup of coffee as I definitely haven't had enough. So I'm going to go and put the kettle on. Until next time, this is me saying farewell. <laughs>